Hey, welcome to Athlete on Fire. I'm Scott Jones, your host, and today we are joined from athlete from Cape Cod, Massachusetts. I've never been up there. Excited to get his story. Uh, before we get started, I'm going to just share his website. It's sothisisfitness.com. Go check it out. His full story, which we're going to talk a lot about today on the show, is there, as well as a lot of other cool resources. Athlete on Fire is all about bridging the gap between amazing athletes, adventurers, entrepreneurs, and the rest of us. Today should be no different. Uh, you guys can check out more at athleteonfire.com. And if you really like what we're doing, um, be sure to go get the app. You can just type in Athlete on Fire on your Android or iOS device. Uh, and really quick, before you guys go, we have uh, a nice little network going over here. We have some really interesting shows, some really interesting athletes and former athletes that share on those shows. Um, Tyron Hume has a show called The Human Perspective Podcast, and he is a world adventurer. You, he talks about some of his adventures like uh, paddling the Amazon last winter, which is pretty amazing. So check that out. And, of course, our, our buddies over at Sisu, Team Sisu, have a weekly Saturday launch of the show. Um, and they focus in the world of OCR and endurance. And we have a few other contributors, but those are fresh in the head. So go check those out. Really appreciate it. All right. So let's get to the show today. We have uh, Mr. Daryl McTague out of Cape Cod. How you doing, Daryl? I'm pretty good. How are you? You know, anytime I can get through an intro that smoothly, I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> I'm not even caff I'm not even caffeinated right now. It's kind of weird. Seriously, what's, what's wrong with you? Oh, what are you What are you doing with your life? <laughs> I know. Seriously, it's crazy. So, uh, so uh, first of all, t- tell the listeners um, a little bit about yourself, but really ge- geographically, like what's Cape Cod like? Where Where are you from? What's What's the culture there? The lifestyle? Uh, I'm always interested in that stuff. It, it's a big tourist spot. Uh, when I was little, my parents have a timeshare on Cape Cod, so we'd we'd go for vacations. They they're really good about getting there. They're you know one week a year, and it's the population drastically changes when the summer comes around. It like triples in the summer in my town, um, and in the winter it's almost a ghost town. It's gorgeous to live in, um, but af- after dealing with uh, tourist traffic for a while, the, the novelty kind of wears off after a while. Um, it's, I mean, living on the beach is fantastic. I've lived uh, pretty close to the coast pretty much my whole life, except for a four-year stint in Connecticut, which I could do without living in the middle of the woods in Connecticut. <laughs> but uh, living on the coast is great. Being able to run on the beach, I think I kind of take it for granted, um, you know, where I live and what I get to do. I really should go to the beach more. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a kind of a great place to be i don't know that i could live inland in the middle of colorado like you <laughs> hey it's big open spaces the the one thing most people miss here is the water when, when they get here um i mean what do you do for fresh seafood fresh seafood um f- well i actually i have a client <laughs> i have a client since you asked who just went to alaska and he gave me about 15 pounds of uh f- uh flash frozen king salmon so that's one way wow. hey <laughs> so, good for you so that's one way <laughs> they, they sent it in pretty quick uh you know honest I, I grew up in south florida um so the, the seafood thing is definitely one of the big things i miss the seafood I, yep. the, the gulf of mexico i don't really miss the gulf of mexico to be honest <laughs> with you um but you know we, we, we get to the other coast every once in a while and, and enjoy that and we're only about a hour and 40 minute flight from from california so we can go out there every once in a while and we drive everywhere now, now with my family, so we we actually just got back from California about a month ago, joining the coast and and we you know three hundred and twenty days of sunshine kind of takes the bite <laughs> the bite out of not having fresh seafood every day. So we definitely have that going. Yeah, on. definitely. I, <laughs> man, it I would love to have that much sunshine. That's, the that, storms get old after a while. 
so so the winter's in Cape Cod. So you say it turns into a ghost town. What, what's a, do you like it in the winter, or do you? I mean, having people not be there is, is probably nice, but the weather is probably not. So what what's the, what do you prefer? Like, well, you know, it's I kind of like fall when they're starting to leave. It gets a little bit less crowded, but there's still some life here. I mean, it's it's weird. The the Cape Cod Canal, it's almost like this weird little magic weather barrier. As soon as you go over the canal, either to the Cape or away from the Cape, the weather can totally change on the other side of the bridge. We tend to get milder winters, except for uh, a little while back, there was that ridiculous blizzard that came through Massachusetts. Somehow Cape Cod got it worse. Oh, wow. um, yeah. But, you know, on the whole, the winters tend to be a little bit milder, um, aside from that one. A, a couple of years ago, um, la- not this past winter, but the winter before, we got a blizzard that was particularly nasty. Boston ended up getting the most snowfall it's, I think, ever had in its history. And we got it pretty bad, too, so much so that um, Hyannis Marathon, which happens end of February, it was supposed to be my first marathon, um, February 2015, it ended up getting canceled uh, because there was just so much snow. The snow banks were over 10 feet high. There was no place to put the people or the spectators or the cars. Yeah, and they didn't call it until the Wednesday before the Saturday or Sunday race. Is that pretty? Ambi- I, uh, that's a pretty ambitious. I mean, f- it seems February up in the in the Northeast would be pretty pretty ambitious anyway, with weather concerns. You know. You know, you would think, but at least for those of us that are up here, it seems to be the case. Not like I want to speak for the entirety of the Northeast, but it's it's just something that some of us get used to. You know, you've got the Boston Marathon up here, and people train all throughout the winter outside, getting ready for it. Um, I mean, that's kind of the curse of a spring marathon in New England. But yeah. you'll, if you look at a race calendar, Hyannis is pretty much the only marathon before Boston. Um, probably for good reason. <laughs> nice. So, so have you grown up in the region your whole life? Yep. Yeah? Cool. So you have a really cool story. Um, you know, the, the the easy easy ways to go read a few paragraphs on your site, but I want to dive in a little bit. Why don't you just tell us the 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 general idea, and then I'll I'll dive in with some questions. But um, yeah, go for it. Tell us a little bit about your story, man. It's pretty cool. Yeah, um, I mean, for for most of my life, I was a pretty big guy. I I remember all the way back through middle school. Um, I I was always a big kid. I was wearing a thirty six waist pant in middle school, uh, which is probably not the best thing. Uh, I'd always wear, you know, sweatpants and baggy t-shirts because I was always kind of uncomfortable with my body. Um, I, I attempted to go out. Middle school is when I was living in Connecticut. And I attempted to go out for the soccer team because that's, you know, in a school system where the high school graduates 36 kids a year, you know, it was a totally different culture. There was no football there weren't a lot of sports, so girls did volleyball and boys went out for soccer. So that was the thing. Didn't make the team, and that was uh, kind of my last attempt at anything athletic until I ended up going to uh, high school in the Cape, and I ended up playing football. But I was always a bigger kid, um, lost a bunch of weight senior year of high school um, doing Weight Watchers. I'd go to meetings with my mom. I ended up losing about 70 pounds. I got down to 210, but I was still uncomfortable with where I was at. So I'd, you know, you, you know, you're not happy with where you're at when you're 
saying that you weigh five pounds less than you really do. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that was about the best that I did before recent times because I got down to 210. I was playing football. I was doing the Weight Watchers. I had kind of the perfect storm going on. And then I went off to college and I went to UMass Amherst. The dining halls are ranked, I think it's like one or two in the country for, you know, university dining halls. The food was unreal. Problem was, I lived at an all-you-can-eat buffet, and the food was really good. So I couldn't, I couldn't find a Weight Watchers meeting to go to. I, I couldn't translate points into, you know, what's on my plate in front of me. So the whole thing kind of went off the rails. And by the time I was a year out of college, um, I had not only gained back all that weight, but I found more, and I ended up dinging in at about. 300, 305 at my heaviest, and a 48 waist, but I probably should have been wearing a 50. How tall are you, Daryl? I am 5'8". So that 300 does not carry well in 5'8", I'm assuming. Yeah, no, it, it was not good. Right. <laughs> um, so so you, let's go back a little bit, just talking about early habits. You know, when, when you were growing up, uh, when and how, even looking back, in your opinion, did, did this weight gain happen? The lifestyle happen? Um, and then we'll come fast forward to, to what changes you made to, to get to where you're at now. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm an only child, and my parents never wanted me to want for anything. I'm, I'm certainly not blaming them, so I don't want to go down that road. But, you know, they, they both came from big families. Um, my dad's got, you know, three brothers, and he had two sisters. My mom has, you know two sisters and a brother, big, big families. And, you know, you always had to share. It was a different time. And I was the only one. They didn't want me to ever want anything, lack anything. So when I wanted something, they gave it to me. Um, you know, we'd go to, you know, hometown buffet, which I don't know if you have that. At, I, I guess the equivalent would be like Sizzler or whatever, you know, kind of places like that you've got out there. Yeah. Uh, so we'd, you know, we'd go to places like that. I'd always, it was the mentality of like, finish your plate. They're starving kids in Africa. Yeah. Um, so, you know, a, a whole child, when I was really little, I wasn't big. I think it probably happened, you know, by the end of middle school is when it really started reaching that point. Um, because that was when I, you know, wasn't outside playing as much like little kids do. Um, and I think by then those habits kind of stuck and I was in that, you know, habit of overeating. I wasn't super active through middle school. Um, I wasn't super, super active in high school aside from, you know, the football program. But even then, I was still eating pretty poorly. And I remember uh, high school football, we had a deal with one of the local pizzerias where, you know, our games were on the weekends. So the Thursday before, they'd let us come in and do, you know, all-you-can-eat pizza for five bucks. And I took that as a personal challenge. <laughs> so that that's kind of how that ended up happening. And the way that it came back, I mean, those were the early habits. But, you know, living at college, all the good habits that I got through trying my hardest with the Weight Watchers thing totally went out the window. You know, the food was all really good. So I, you know, I wanted to make the most of my meal plan. And, you know, I'd order out at night. I did everything you're not supposed to do. You know, I'd order wings and pizza at you know, 11 p.m., I drank a lot because college. 
Um, UMass was kind of a big party school. That was like the pride of the student body at the time. Oh, we're ranked in the Princeton Review top party schools. Um, And what what really sealed it when I got out of school, uh, I went back to um, my summer gig at a local restaurant chain, uh, waiting tables, and ended up bartending too. And whenever an order got messed up, went back to the break room. Oh, these wings are supposed to be buffalo, not honey barbecue. Snack time. So I pretty much had all the all the fried nonsense I could eat. During that time, were you, were you craving movement? Like, were you craving getting out there? You know, because you played football and stuff, were you craving exercise at all? Like, if you really think back to not, it, no, not in the slightest. I I totally could not have cared less. I was super lazy. I I still have that lazy tendency in me. Um, and you know, once I got over you know high school football being over. That was it. I didn't really care anymore. The, the desire. I, I played at going to the gym in college. I, I attempted to go with some of my fraternity brothers, and they didn't really care all that much either. Um, so it, it just never really took off. All right, so when was, when was the tipping point for you? When, when were you ready to switch it up? Well, working at a restaurant, waiting tables, you move around a lot. Um, and being as big as I was, my thighs would rub together. So I would, after three or four months, wear through the inner thighs of my work pants. And I'd have to go buy new work pants at Walmart because that was the only place that had them cheap enough that big. And I'd go through the self-checkout line so that I didn't have to, you know, stand there having somebody ring through my ridiculous big pants. After enough times having to do that, one time I just had enough. I couldn't deal with, you know, continuing to have to buy new work pants because I wore through them because I was so big. I I hit a breaking point, and I had to go do something. So, what was that something? Did you go home and, and write stuff down, or did you just start working out? Did you start eating well the next day? Like, what was the the genesis of that? Well, I, you know, I I had known because the doctors always tell you you're overweight. You need to do something. You need to work out. You need to eat right. And I decided I was going to start working out. I just total total package, this needs to happen, I can't put this off anymore, i got to go do it. So um, I looked at my wife, who was at the time my girlfriend, and I said, you want to do this with me? Um, Because at the time, she was a little bit bigger too. And she said, all right, because she could tell that I was not good. And I think she may have been just kind of looking for a reason, and she'd probably shoot me if I knew, if she knew I was talking about her right now. Um, But... You know, we looked at each other and we decided to kind of go for it. And I borrowed uh, one of those at-home workout DVDs from a friend, um, P90X. And it, you know, it takes a special kind of motivated to be able to actually do and stick with those at-home workout programs. Dude, I I, I don't know how people do it. You know, I've been pretty fit for my my whole life. And uh, when I have... You know, when I've had clients in the past tell me that's what their fitness was, you know, and they would be able to do it for a couple of weeks and then they'd fall off and they do it for, like, to do that in your living room, um, you've got to be really, really motivated. You've got to have a good why. You've got to have um, some good discipline. So, I mean, just just starting off, were there any, once you got started, uh, did the nutrition, did everything kind of fall in line because of the effort for, from the fitness or how did that work for you? Kind of. I mean, it's one of those things where you're putting in the effort, so I don't want to shoot myself in the foot. I might as well go all out. So, 
you know, I used the nutrition plan that they give you with P90X as kind of a guideline and tried to do about as good as I could. Um, you know, I'd have a protein shake afterwards because it was good for muscle recovery. And, you know, I cut out soda. Well, probably one of the biggest things that I did was I cut out soda and fried whatever, just cold turkey entirely. Um, and I haven't had soda or fast food for, I mean, the four-year anniversary is August 1st, so I'm just shy of a solid four years. I haven't had soda or fried or um, fast food. How, how, so how long did it take to get to, so you were about 300 when you started? Yep. How long did it take to get to where you are now? It took me 10 months to hit 100 pounds lost. Um, That's and awesome, man. I, it was a hard 10 months, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, by the time I hit about the one-year mark, I had gotten down to about 125, 130. I don't know the exact number for where I started. I almost didn't take my before pictures. It, it wasn't until day six because I was just so over it. I was so disgusted with where I was that I didn't even want to think about it or remember it. And then by day six, I was like, you know... I'm probably at some point, for some reason, going to want to be able to look back and see how far I came and see the progress. Yeah. So I'm, I, I kind of ballpark it at 300, but it was probably close to 305. So in total, I probably hit about 130 lost in the one-year mark. You're about 180 right now, 175-ish? I reached 173.0, um, but I right now I'm floating around 190. Okay. Cool. So, what what um what were some things that you didn't think would happen um, during the weight loss, during the habits of of getting fit? You know, what what were some things that happened that you weren't expecting? I didn't. I mean, I I knew that it was going to be good for me, and I knew that I could, you know, make some real progress. I never th- thought that I would get below a thirty six inch waist. I thought that was going to be kind of the mountaintop because that was the smallest I could remember being. I still had that one pair of jeans in the closet from middle school. Um, so reaching reaching that point was kind of fantastic. And then I didn't really know what to do with myself when all of a sudden those became too big. And I ended up getting down to, I still wear a 32, but I could have I, I could have made a 31 work, and I was on my way to 30. Never thought that would happen. Nice. Okay. I also never thought running would happen. <laughs> and that's and that's what we're going to talk about because I know you run a lot, and I know that's a big part of your your journey. So I want to talk about the running. I want to talk about some stories that involve people, uh, whether it's people that knew you as a bigger guy for most of your life, just how those interactions might have been. I'm sure you have a couple there. Um, so I want to talk about those in a second. But before we do that, uh, I'd love having our guests um, give us a tactile something real that they can go out and try whether it's a challenge that helped you along your journey or something that you think will help other people on theirs um so if you have something that'd be awesome to share right now yeah um i mean in in terms of like uh, a workout or in terms of just something to change habits both i mean let's usually it's a workout but if you have if you have a good good uh habit skill or or trick that'd be great too I mean, something that helped me a lot was time management. I mean, look at how you actually spend your time in a day. How late do you stay up at night? You know, not a whole lot of productive things tend to happen after 10 p.m. unless you're actually working after 10 p.m. So kind of look at what you're doing with your day. And, you know, if you're just staying up until midnight watching TV for three hours before bed, 
maybe that three hours might be better used in the morning when you're fresh and you can actually do something. Um, but in terms of, you know, a, a challenge, I work at a gym right now, so I'm very much of the position that, you know, everybody's goals are going to be a little different and, you know, one workout won't necessarily work for everybody. But go out and do something that either scares the crap out of you or that you never thought that you would be doing. I never in a million years thought I was going to run. And one day while we were going along in our little fitness journey, we said, we've never actually gone out and gone for a run. So let's try that. And we did. And it was a total game changer. So if you never thought you'd, you know, be a swimmer, if you never thought you'd go cycling, go try it. You know, see, try it on, see how it feels. It might totally change the game for you. How far was that first run? So we did that in my wife's um, mom's neighborhood um, because at that point we were using a room in her mom's house to do the workouts. And so we did that in her neighborhood. The, her loop there uh, was about 1.1-ish miles-ish. Uh, we did two loops together. And then I looked at her and I said, I'm about to do something really stupid. Do not come with me. And I went again. So that first one was about three and a quarter, 3.3 miles. Like, never run before in my life. That's pretty, that's pretty good, man. So, where were My you quads hated day? me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that would be the equivalent for some people running, you know, 13 to 20 miles. That, that, the yeah. longest, I mean, I always say this still to this day, like, the longest distance you've ever run is always a new experience. It just feels different. Your body reacts different every time. And for never running before and starting off with three, over three miles, it's pretty impressive. I, I was pretty impressed with myself. <laughs> did, you, did you find when you started running regularly that the weight went off faster, or did you just find that it was a good way to, um, it was just something you enjoyed that, that kept you engaged longer? You know, it was just another good thing to add in. I, I came to enjoy it, and I never thought I would. Um, and it, it became a whole thing unto its own. It, you know, as I started doing, you know, road races and finding along, it just became another thing that I liked doing. And it was another way to kind of push myself and see how far I could go with, with the, um, that first run was March, 2014. I was like late March. So it was what three, I can't do math, like six, seven months into, into the whole thing. So I was, I was at least, and I mean, I could look through the the little before and after page on my site, but I want to say that I was at least about 50 pounds down at that point. might have been 60-ish. So it was significantly easier than it would have been at the get-go. Right. But, you know, it at that point became just another part of the journey because I had pushed so much farther than I thought I'd be able to. The workouts were pretty intense. I mean, I did Insanity, too, and that will totally whip your butt. So, it, yeah. T- tell me about some of your running. So so you kind of latched onto this, this sport, this endeavor, and uh, I know you've been running a lot. So what are what's the longest you've done? What are some PRs just, just for fun? Yeah. Um, well, my longest run actually just happened at the end of May. Uh, I did my first ultra marathon. Um, nice. And it, it happened to be a 50-miler. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome, dude. Well, you know, it started innocently enough. 
I, I kind of worked my way up naturally. Um, it, it had reached this point in a good way, but I, you know, last November I said, you know what, I've done a marathon. Why not try a 50 K? It's just a little bit farther. You know, if I can go 26.2, I can go 31. So I registered and, uh, I was reading a lot online about ultra marathons. I wanted to kind of prep myself mentally and get ready for the training. And a lot of the stuff I saw said, well, shoot, if you can go 50K, you can go 50 mile. And all the training that I was putting together for myself would have had me ready for a 50 mile. So I said, screw it. And I upgraded. <laughs> nice, man. Yeah, we do, we do another show called Becoming Ultra. That's part of this. And uh, it's all about just regular people. Um, going for the first ultra and uh you know we do a podcast and kind of share the story along the way as as their co we have a couple coaches that are elite ultra runners coaching these guys up and it's just a really cool thing but we do some my we do a series called my first ultra and and just your story right now fits perfectly into that i might actually post it over there on becoming ultra because i think a lot of people will get inspired because we have a lot of people oh, cool. like you that want it that are using running as a tool tool for weight loss and tool to get healthy mentally and physically and and uh, it's really cool. Um, so uh, along the way, this is these are the questions I really like. Along the way, uh, you've totally transformed the way you look and the way you, your lifestyle is and the things that you do for fun. Um, you know, pretty much everything that <laughs> that was you before is different. <laughs> so when you run into people from your past or even people that you're around that you know um, your actions are impacting them, do you, do you have any stories of some of those interactions? Yeah, it's... You know, right in the beginning, right when I hit that 100 pounds lost and I'd start to see people that I hadn't seen in a really long time, that was kind of fun, getting those reactions. Because <laughs> um, they, they totally didn't, they never would have seen that coming, just like I never would have seen that coming. Um, you know, I went to uh, a July 4th party that one of, the, one of our high school friends is probably one of the only people from high school that we actually talk to anymore. Um, this kid, Nate. He, he, his family puts on this big July 4th thing, and the first time we went, um, after having lost all the weight, he, he and his mom, because uh, we knew them from football, were beside themselves. They, they totally were like, where'd you go? <laughs> <laughs> so that, that was kind of fun. Um, and it was also kind of nice to be able to bring some people along with me. Um, part of the reason that I started uh, my site was... I'd get messages along the way from people that were, you know, because I'm posting my before and after pictures every time I finish uh, one of those workout programs I was posting on my Facebook, like my own private personal Facebook. And people would message me and say, hey, you know, I've been following, and a lot of this happened right after I hit the 100-pound mark. You know, I've been following your journey, and you've made such big change, and, you know, it now, you know, I want to go and do that too. You've kind of inspired me, and you know, after enough of those, and some of those came from some people that I, I wouldn't have expected. Um, you know, I was able to help some of my fraternity brothers, you know, work on, you know, some things that they probably never would have bothered to or started to, you know, work on for themselves. Um, and I kind of reconnected with some people uh, that I knew from high school that had similar stories. Um, this one kid... It was actually one of my ex-girlfriend's little brother. Um, he was a bigger kid in high school. He lost a ton of weight, and now he does Ironmans. And I was I was looking at him during my journey, and I'm like, is, is this like a cult-like thing where you just lose a ton of weight and go do ridiculous events? <laughs> <laughs> That's cool, man. That's really cool. 
So what is so this is fitness? Like what what's your well, you know what actually I never asked you this. Like what what's your expertise in? Like what did you get your degree in? Um what are you doing now? I think you mentioned you worked at you work at a gym. Um where's where's this whole journey taking you? You know, it's funny. This whole thing has made my life take a completely different turn. I have a degree in theater. <laughs> I, uh, I'm a sound guy. Like that was what I went to school for. Oh, do not, I, I do went... not listen to this podcast afterwards, please. Please do not do that. <laughs> <laughs> you will be disappointed. <laughs> right, no, keep going, sorry. It, I, no, no. I've been, you know, I am subscribed to a stupid number of running podcasts because when you're doing training runs for four hours at a time, you've you got some time to listen to some stuff. Yeah. Um, and they just sound great. So don't you worry. <laughs> yes. Uh, but, but yeah, when uh, I, I went to college with the intent of dual majoring in computer science and theater because I had gotten into theater in high school and it was kind of a fun outlet that didn't really – the theater itself and what I did in theater did not mind that I was ridiculously overweight. <laughs> right. I'm able to sit in a sound booth and work a soundboard no problem. So I went to school doing that in the computer science because I was kind of a geek. And I ended up dropping computer science because I learned I liked fixing computers. I did not like coding. Uh, so I ended up just sticking with the theater and doing that. And by the time I got out, I had done a bunch of internships, and I was good on the artistic side of the resume. So I went back to the restaurant to get the managerial side because I, I was also a shift supervisor, and I was working through the management track. Um, and that, you know, at that point, I was shifting away from the theater thing already because I was realizing – you know, just like I was warned, you stick in, you know, management, you stick in the restaurant industry, and you can actually, the, the restaurant chain that I was at, they take care of their managers pretty well. The, the pay was really good. So I was very tempted to just stick with it. And I got into the fitness thing. And as I was going through the fitness thing, I started not feeling good about serving people extra large, you know, buffalo wings with double blue cheese and would you like a big giant sundae for dessert? So I had uh, – at that point, I was trying to kind of get myself sponsorships um, because I couldn't really afford to go and do all those races on my own. And so it was kind of a wicked grassroots thing. Um, but one of the places that I had previously hit up for a little sponsorship was an Anytime Fitness near me. And so on a whim, I messaged the manager and asked if they were hiring, and they were. They, they just so happened to need somebody to take over one of their locations. So it was kind of a right place, right time thing. And I got into that, and I continued along on the fitness journey. I'm looking at getting a personal training certification, becoming a running coach, because some of my members have told me, with all this ridiculous stuff that you do now, why are you not a running coach? So I've been looking at that. Um, so, yeah, my I, I suppose at the moment, and I hope it doesn't sound bad, my only real qualification is, you know, school of hard knocks. Right. But you go along a journey like that, you you have to pick up a lot along the way in order to be successful and stick with it and keep the weight off. Yeah, for sure. And and there's easy ways. I mean, there's tons of ways to get certifications in the in the fitness world these days as well. So, there's always there's always opportunity, you know. All right. Yep. So um what what else, man? I, I've I've uh, checked out all your stuff. I, I think we got some people over to your Facebook page. You have a good, lively Facebook page there. I see all of the 
all the before and after pictures there. And um, that is so this is fitness as well. So make sure people check that out. Is there any is there anything you'd like to leave us with? Um I mean running is a really good world to get into, man. Um it I never would have seen myself doing ultra marathons. It's helped me kind of push myself to heights I didn't know I was going to be able to do. And now I'm wow, 3 months out today. Uh, three months from today, I will be in the middle of my first 100-mile ultramarathon. So it, it's definitely uh, uh, definitely helped me go the distance, um, <laughs> apparently literally too. Um, so go out there and do something that scares the crap out of you. Get into running. You know, whatever you think is not possible, try it. It you know it might completely open new doors. Um, and you might be capable of a lot more than you than you think. I was listening to another one of your podcasts in the car, and I had a total like yes fist pump like this this guy is totally on it, uh, where he was talking about limits. And one of the things that I've been saying is the only limits we really have are the ones we set for ourselves. This whole journey has really reinforced that for me. So get out and get out and challenge what you think you can really do. Awesome. Daryl, thanks so much for sharing your story. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Awesome, guys. You guys were inspired by and listening to Daryl McTague of So This Is Fitness. Go check it out, sothisisfitness.com. And I am Scott Jones from Athlete on Fire. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to Athlete on Fire. Stay fired up with additional resources and information at athleteonfire.com. 